Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. Well, this weekend obviously is July 4th weekend, and what I want to do this morning is look at Romans chapter 13 in the first two verses of that. But before we actually dive into their te- the text, I want to um, kind of look at and focus on a little bit why this passage is necessary. To look at and focus on a little bit of, of why we need to even look at the topic. And you see the topic on the back of your bulletin on the outline. You see the topic on the screen. The Christian's response to government. The Christian's response to government. One of the things, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I believe very firmly, is that we believe that the Bible is inspired by God. And I think we would all agree with that. But as believers who believe that the Bible is inspired by God, who believe it is authoritative... We also then have to move and also believe that the Bible is sufficient. And what we mean by that is that the Bible speaks to all areas. And even if there's not a specific verse that speaks to a specific area, there are principles in the Bible that guide us to a correct understanding. And so even when we come to the topic of government, or if I dare say the word politics, the Bible speaks to that. Now I know there's two things that you're not supposed to talk about at family reunions. What are they? Religion and politics. We're going to talk about both of them this morning. I know it's dangerous. Um, But I I want us to look at this not from a political vantage point, not from a political party vantage point. I want us to look at this topic from a biblical vantage point because we believe the Bible speaks to this. And we're going to dive in and see what the Bible has to say in just a moment. But I want to begin by offering a few statements that kind of help set the stage. And these are not meant to be offensive in any way, but to help kind of realign our focus. There is a danger in viewing ourselves as Americans first and Christians second. There's a danger in viewing ourselves as Americans first and Christians second. Our citizenship to whatever country should never dictate how we practice Christianity. Rather, our faith, our Christianity should always dictate how we practice our citizenship. Now track with me for a minute because this is important. Our Christianity should influence and direct our patriotism. And our patriotism should never influence or direct our Christianity, our faith. Why? Well, I think we would all agree that this world is not our home. We have an eternal perspective that states our citizenship, our eternal citizenship is in heaven. So to state this clearly, our eternal destiny is never influenced. Our eternal destiny is not determined by our nationality or our citizenship on earth. That's the reason why we send missionaries to all over the, all over the world. Because we believe that anyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ has citizenship in heaven. So here's what this means. Now this is where it gets very practical. We cannot allow politics to alter how faithfully we live the Christian life. All right? I think we all know people who have ruined their Christian testimony because of how they've responded to politics. We live the Christian life and how faithfully we live the Christian life and how we demonstrate Christian love and practice our faith should never be thrown off because of politics. As true believers in Christ, we have a responsibility, though, to allow our faith to alter 
how we view and practice politics. Our faith dictates how we interact with people of other political parties. Our faith dictates how we view political issues. Basically, if we were to summarize this, you are a Christian first and an American second. And that is the order. When we forget this, we distort the reality of our faith. So how does our faith impact our politics and our morality and our view of government? Again, to state this very clearly, we understand that both the pro-life advocate and the pro-abortion advocate will go to hell without Christ. We understand that the hospital surgeon who saves lives daily and the prostitute on the street will both go to hell without Christ. We understand that the Republican, the Democrat, the Independent, and whatever other option there is will all go to hell without Christ. Basically what we're saying is no political party, no political view, no political beliefs provide salvation. And that is why we can stand and we can so boldly say that our faith influences how we practice politics. Our politics does not influence how we practice our faith. It means that our faith causes us to look at politics differently. Why? Because we know politics will take no one to heaven. No political party will ever take anyone to heaven. Do you all agree with that statement? You're like, I don't know about this. Yeah, no political party will provide salvation. Now, understand, I am not suggesting that we not care about politics and government and issues of our day. We should be involved, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But what I am saying is that we must look at the government and politics and issues that arise in our day through the lens of Scripture. And if failure to do so will distort biblical Christianity, and it will cause others who see us as professing Christians and fail to see the reality of our Christian faith because we'll be living our faith through the lens of our politics, and that's not how how the Bible presents it. We should have beliefs, but those beliefs should flow from Scripture. The Bible guides our perspective. The Bible dictates our beliefs. The Bible guides our view of government. It guides our understanding and our response to political issues and topics. And it, desi- it directs and guides how we respond to government. That's the specific topic this morning is what is the Christian's response to government? Here's the truth that we need to hear this morning. The Bible confronts our politics. We've got to understand that. The Bible confronts our politics. And if you are living a life where your politics confronts and alters the Bible, then you've got it backwards and you're guilty of idolatry. Because basically what you're saying is that what is most important to me is politics, not the Bible. And at that very moment, politics has become your idol. So what we want to do this morning is say, what does the Bible have to say? And not just ask the question, but then live it out correctly. How should you and I respond to government with which we at times agree and with which we at times disagree? Disagree. Here are several things we need to know. Now, these will be on the back of your bulletin. I want to read, hopefully you're open to Romans chapter 13. Let me read the first two verses of this. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Now there's a lot packed into that. But all of this is going to help us understand how our faith and how our view of Scripture impacts and directs how we view and practice 
politics and how we respond to government. So here's the first thing you need to know. Here's your number one first point. We are commanded to submit to civil authority. You and I are commanded by God in Scripture to submit to civil authority. Look at verse 1. Everyone. Now, the word that is translated everyone, you all know what it means? It's real complicated. It means everyone. It means all people. It means there's no one excluded. You cannot look at this and say, well, there's an exception here. No, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. If you are here this morning, you, you are called to submit to governing authorities. We are commanded to submit to civil authority. Notice that there are not exceptions based on what kind of authority it is. Notice it's not based on what kind of government it is or which party is in control. Regardless of the form, regardless of the personnel of government, we are commanded to submit to civil authority. Understand this truth. Good biblical Christianity cannot be separated from good, obedient citizenship. Now, the question that automatically pops in people's mind is, well, what about when there's things that are contrary to biblical truth? We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But we have to begin with the foundation that we are commanded to submit to civil authority. The submission, by the way, get, don't miss this. The submission is just as much about our attitudes as it is our actions. There are times, neither one of my boys are in here so I can talk about them. There are times when I tell my boys, Nathan or Jonathan, to do something. And there are times when they will obey, but it is clear that their attitude is not behind it. I'm sure it's only my kids, right? Parents are like, yeah, it's not just yours. <laughs> it's all of us. In those moments, am I pleased with them simply because they obey and ignore their attitude? No, I, I care about the attitude. The other day... Um, I was getting on to Jonathan about something, and I said, Jonathan, why did you do that? He said, because. I said, Jonathan, that is not an answer. Give me an answer. Because is an answer. He's five. Where's he learn this? The attitude, we understand with kids, the attitude is just as important as the action. I remember as a teenager, my dad would tell me to go clean my room, and I would stop and go clean my room and slam the door. Y'all never did that, right? Never. The attitude was offensive. So let's apply this same principle to politics. When we come to politics, when we read this, this verse that we are to submit to civil authority, that we are commanded to submit to civil authority, understand your attitude is equally as important as your actions. You cannot say, well, I am, I am not doing anything wrong, so God is okay. If you are not doing anything wrong, yet your attitude stinks in the process, you are offensive to God. You are guilty of sin. Our proper attitudes must be reflected. Having the right attitude towards government with him whom you disagree is only possible when you look at that earthly government through the lens of eternity. See, if you do not have an eternal perspective, you will not be able to have the correct attitude or the correct actions to tell an unbelieving world that you truly believe in Christ. So, so this is our starting point. We are to submit to civil authority. And again, some of you right now are asking, well, what about when that government is wrong? And we're going to deal with that here in just a moment. But why? Why are we called? Why are we commanded to submit to civil authority? Let me give you number two. All authority is ultimately from God. 
Look at the rest of verse 1. Everyone, I'm going to start at the beginning. Everyone must, must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. All authority is instituted by God. We have to understand this. All governmental authority is ultimately from God. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, we see God talking to Pharaoh. And listen to what he says. He says, I have let you live for this purpose, to show my power and to make my name known in all the earth. You are still acting arrogantly against my people by not letting them go. So there was this, this Pharaoh who was oppressing God's people, who was holding the nation of Israel captive, and what God says to him is, I have let you live. I have put you in, the, in this position for this purpose, to make my name and my power known throughout the earth. God was in control. Proverbs 21.1 says that God holds the heart of a king like a stream in his hand. Daniel 2.21 says that God removes and God sets up kings. Never think that because you do not like or agree with government that is over you, that God is disconnected and God is not in control and God is unaware of what's going on. God is always in control. Government exists because of God's divine decree. Get this, listen carefully. No human government at any time in history, at any place on earth, among any people on earth, at any level of society has existed or ever will exist apart from the sovereign authority of God. There are times throughout history where God has raised up kings and raised up governments for the for the purpose, and people will look at that and say, God, how could you raise up this ungodly kingdom and this ungodly king and this ungodly ruler? And God would look back and say, I am using this for my purposes. There are other times where God would raise up a godly king, and it was always for his purposes. In both instances, God is completely in control. In both instances, God is not disconnected. There are times, I was reading in the book of Habakkuk this week, there are times when Habakkuk was looking to God and saying, God, how are you using an ungodly nation to carry out justice on this other nation? And God says, I am working things that you do not even understand. There are times throughout history where God will raise up ungodly leaders to accomplish his purpose. And there are times where God will raise up godly leaders to accomplish his purpose. But in both cases, God's purposes are accomplished. So because we understand that government is from God, it is ordained by God, we understand that all authority is ultimately from God. Now there's some direct implications of this. Let me give you number three. When we fail to submit to God-ordained authority, we fail to submit to God. I mean, this is the practical outworking of this. When we fail to submit to God-ordained authority, we fail to submit to God. Look at verse 2. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. Pause right there. When we fail to submit to the authority that God has instituted... In essence, we are failing to submit and be obedient to God himself. So in the Bible, there are different layers and different levels of authority that God has instituted. The first and the most primary, and I would suggest the most important, is the home. Children are commanded in the Bible to obey your parents. There's an authority structure in the home. God instituted the church God instituted the government. 
So when we start putting this all together, we understand all authority is from God. So what, what kids and teenagers have to understand is that when you fail to obey your parents, you fail to obey God. When you fail to honor your parents, you fail to honor God because that authority in the home is ultimately from God. We understand that in government, when we fail to submit, when we refuse to submit to government, we refuse to submit to God. Number four is this. Those who resist government will be punished. Look at the rest of verse 2. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Oppose what? Oppose the, the authority, the, the government that, that God has established. I think the best way to understand this, the question is, well, what is this punishment? I think the best way to understand this is that when we unbiblically and wrongly oppose government, that there are natural consequences, like being arrested. Right? I mean, you see people who are, who are opposing government in wrong ways. Well, there's natural results of that. But what I want to deal with now, you notice on your outline there's a couple sections. What I want to deal with now is the correct responses to government. Because the question is, how do we respond? So we understand, we laid the foundation that all authority is from God. And God instituted this authority and that we are responsible to be obedient to this governmental authority. We're responsible to submit to that. And when we fail to submit to government, we fail to submit to God. But how then do we respond actively? And before we ever talk about when we disagree with government, we at least need to mention that there are reasons we should disagree with government. And the primary reason we should disagree with government is because they are promoting something that is clearly unbiblical. They're, they're, they're promoting and pushing something that is completely opposed to Scripture. Again, this is why this has to be our authority. This is why this has to be what we look to. This, is what, this, ha, this has to be the filter that everything else goes through. So we have to know this. We have to read this. We have to study this. We have to be familiar with this. This, this has to be the guide for everything. So how do we respond. Let me give you number one. There's three layers to this, and follow me through all three layers. The first layer is this. Number one, appeal to authority. Appeal to authority. The first response is always a response of respectful appeal. We see this all throughout Scripture. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. That is an appeal. Daniel to the king, when he is, when he is arrested, he's brought from Babylon, he's in, or he's in captivity, and they give him this diet. He says, can I have another diet? There was a respectful appeal. You see this in Paul to Felix in Acts 24. There's a respectful appeal. So when there is something that the government presents or the government supports with which you disagree, the first layer of response is a, re, a, a respectful appeal to that authority. Number two. Confront the authority when given opportunity. The clearest example of this is Nathan and David. Remember, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was guilty of causing the death of Bathsheba's husband. Nathan comes into him and gives this parable of sorts, this story of sorts, and he looks at David and says, You are the man. You are the guilty one. You are the one that have done this. There was clear confrontation that was taking place. Place Nathan comes to David humbly and respectfully, but he stands up and says, you are guilty. And there are times when we will have the opportunity to talk with authority, and we can stand and we can say lovingly and humbly, based on God's word, you are guilty. So we appeal to authority. Number two, we confront the authority when given the opportunity. And number three, 
We defy authority when appropriate. You say, well, defy authority? I thought you said we're commanded to submit to authority. There's only one time when it is right to defy authority, and that is when that authority is mandating something that is biblically wrong. And again, the Bible is our guide in this. There's only one time when it is okay to defy authority that God has established, and it is when that authority is commanding or mandating something that the Bible clearly says is wrong. Pharaoh told the people to kill to kill all the male babies. Remember the story in the Old Testament? Kill all the male babies. This was a direct command that the Hebrew midwife defied. Why? Because it is against God's law to kill. In Daniel, all the people are told to bow down and worship the image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew God's command to not worship any other god. So they defied the authority and they refused to bow down. They were willing to suffer the consequences for that action in a desire and a willingness to be obedient to God. In Peter, Peter and John in Acts 4 and 5 a few weeks ago, they are commanded, no longer preach in the name of Jesus, no longer communicate the name of Jesus. And they stand before the authority and say, we cannot do anything else but proclaim Jesus. And they're arrested and they're beaten. They suffer the consequences. And they're willing to suffer the consequences in their desire to be obedient to God. See, the only time we have the right to defy authority is if they are making us do something that the Bible forbids or they are forbidding something that the Bible commands. We do not have the right to defy authority simply because we do not like what they are doing. We do not have the right to defy God-ordained authority simply because we may think they are wrong. See, there is a difference between a government allowing something and a government mandating something. Right? Do you see the difference? There's a difference between the government allowing something and the government mandating something. So we would, as believers, we would stand against abortion. And we would say, according to the Bible, that abortion is murder and it is wrong. We would stand against that. It is opposed to God's word. But we do not live in a country where abortion is mandated. Now, if you're to go to China, in China they have a child limit. Have you all heard about this? Some of you heard about this? There's a limit on how many children you can have in China. So once you reach that limit, it is law that if a woman becomes pregnant, that an abortion take place in order to keep that family under the limit. It is mandated. There is a difference between abortion being allowed, which we would stand against and we would appeal to authority and we would confront authority when given the opportunity. There's a difference between it being allowed and it being mandated. So in America, we would stand opposed to abortion and we would appeal to authority and we would confront authority when given the opportunity and be bold and clear that we stand against this and we believe this is wrong, we believe this is sin. But here, because it's simply allowed, is not the reason to defy authority. Here, in China, completely different scenario, right? So let's say that you have your allowed number of kids in the home, and then the wife becomes pregnant. And the government, through the hospitals and doctors, finds out about this. And they come and they say, you must abort this pregnancy. What's the response? Well, again, the Bible guides. We know that this is opposed to God's law. And so in that scenario, we appeal and we confront 
But since they are mandating something that is biblically forbidden, we defy. And we say, we cannot do that. The Bible is our guide. It is better to obey God rather than men. And so, so we, we, we have to say no. We defy that authority. See, what happens so often in America is we don't want to appeal and we don't confront and we look for opportunities to defy. I think we should acknowledge that we live in a country where we have more freedom than anywhere else on earth. We have more freedom to practice our faith and more freedom to talk about our faith and more freedom to share our faith with other people. And even though there are plenty of things that the government says and the government allows with which we would disagree and against we should stand and we should be vocal about and we should appeal and we should confront, we are not in a situation yet where we are... They are mandating things that are Bible condemns or forbidding things that the Bible commands. And we should be grateful to live in a country with that freedom. Don't you agree? But if the time ever comes to where governing authorities command something that the Bible says no, or forbid something that the Bible says do. We have to be willing to endure the consequences of defying the authority, the government. We have to be willing to endure whatever consequences come as a result of our obedience. Peter and John, when they stood up and said, we can do no other but proclaim the name of Christ, they took them and they flogged them. They beat them severely before releasing them. We have to be willing to endure the consequences for our actions. In closing, let me say a couple of things and we'll wrap this up. Submitting to governing authorities with your actions but not your attitude is contradictory. Right? We kind of already mentioned that. Submitting to governing authorities with your actions but not your attitude is contradictory. This begins at the most foundational level of the home. I think this applies to the other institution that got established, the church, and then the government institution that got established. Wrong attitude is just as offensive to God as wrong action. So in the home, kids, teens are told to Obey your parents in the Lord. And by the way, you know what that phrase in the Lord means? As long as your parents aren't commanding something that the Bible forbids. So even there, there's that layer. So children are told to obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first promise with a command. You have that layer of authority, and the attitude is just as important as the action. And the church, Hebrews 13, verse 17, there is the instruction for those in the church to follow or submit to the leadership of the church. And again, attitude is just as important as action. And when it comes to government, attitude is just as important as action. How we respond to God-ordained authority communicates to a lost world where we think that authority came from. How we respond to authority communicates what we think about God since all authority came from God. And how some Christians respond to government in both actions and attitudes, it communicates that they resist God's authority. Some people hurt their Christian testimony because they are political first and Christian second. Because they are American first and people of faith second. So we have to get the order right this morning. See, as we're talking out through, throughout the book of Acts, we're talking about living on mission. And listen, if you are a 
member of a political party before you are a Christian, if you are American before you are a person of faith, then how you live your Christian faith will be distorted by that. And what you are communicating to people is that you care more about the temporary, the earthly, the temporal, than you do the eternal. And as people who have been saved by God for the purpose of spending eternal life with God forever, we have to live lives that says we care more about the eternal than the temporary. And I, again, I'm in no way saying that we are not involved and concerned and connected and, and involved in the political process. We should be. But we should do all of those things through the lens of our faith. We should do all of those things through the lens of our Christianity. Our governmental involvement and our political involvement and our view on social issues is not tied to politics. It's tied to Scripture. And we have to live lives that says we are believers first. We are Christians first. And everything else we do in this world will, be, will come through that lens. And when we fail to do that, we distort true biblical Christianity. When we fail to do that, we communicate to other people that we don't really care about God-ordained authority. So the challenge this morning is very simple. Yes, be involved, and yes, appeal, and yes, confront. Do all of these things that we're talking about, but do all of those things. Live, live your response to government, and live your politics, and live all of these things that are... I mean, if you watch the news, this is all we hear about. And it is very easy to spend more time listening about politics than we do listening to God through his word. We have to be careful that our involvement in politics and our response to government and our view of social issues is not wrapped up in the here and now, but is wrapped up in the eternal. So here's the challenge. It's very simple. Be a Christian first and an American second. Be a person of faith first and a person of politics second. Respond to governing authorities that God has instituted in a way that says we believe all authority is from God and in how I live and in how I operate, I want to communicate that there is something more than the here and now. That there's going to be a time when heaven and earth pass away, but the kingdom of God stands forever. And we live for the kingdom of God. We further the kingdom of God I hope you are longing to the day when Christ returns and we are united with him forever. Let that reality govern how you live and how you practice everything else. Let's stand together. I want to encourage you to take the time as we close and just think about, are you living your faith? That's really what this comes down to. Are you living your faith? Are, are you truly living out your faith in all areas of your life, specifically this morning, and how you respond to government, how you respond to politics in a way that communicates to a lost world that you care about the eternal? And if not, then this morning, you need to make some change. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.